0: Um, preach uh, in a way that that's pleasing to you, Lord, and, and in a way that reflects um, the proper meaning of the passage. And um, I pray that folks' hearts would be open and, and that they would hear from you this morning. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Um, we are in the very last sermon from the the Book of Colossians. We uh, we did probably I don't know like four five months ago. We did Philippians, and we finished it after Christmas, and then. Um, we, we started on Colossians, and, and actually starting next week we're going to be doing Easter, because apparently Easter's coming up, um, and so uh, beginning next week, all the messages will be Easter related. By the way, if you need a coloring book, my wife is handing out coloring books and crayons. Um, Michael, if you <coughs> <laughs> They're more interesting than the sermon, I'm <laughs> um, and, and so, like, as we kind of go into Colossians, like, this very last chapter, um, I, I'm doing a couple of things I, I don't like. Um, we're, we're only going to do the first, or verses 2 to 6 at the end. We'll probably touch on little bits and pieces of the end of Colossians. But what happens is Paul shifts from, like, content in the letter to personal greetings. And, and I've seen sermons on personal greetings, and I, I, I've never been crazy about one. Um, and and because I don't want to do a sermon that I, I you know where I'm trying to force a message into a text um, I I'm I'm gonna um, touch on one or two little bits at the end of the message today and then that'll be it. And next week we'll be doing um, Easter-related stuff. Yes, I would very much love that cup of tea. Thank you. Um, I lose my cup every five minutes and. My wife spends her entire life following me around, picking things up and giving them back to me. Um, Does anybody else do that? Is that really just me? (laughs) You're not married, Mark. You can't do that. That's not. (laughs) Yeah. Pick up their stuff. Yeah. Real quick, we're going to do background. And actually, I'm going to come back to my teacup thing here. Thank you, honey. That was brilliant. Um, um, this letter, it's, it's Paul is writing it from jail, okay? Um, he, he's in a spot where he's been in prison literally for years, um, for several years in um, in Jerusalem and in the city surrounding. And then he was transported to Rome, and he sat in prison there for several years as well. Eventually, um, he he doesn't get let go. Eventually, they cut his head off because he's a Christian. Like that's kind of where it ends for him. And um, for Paul, he's writing this letter to a church that he's been to, but he did not plant. Um, Colossae is a city that Paul visited along his, along the way, but he's writing this letter at the request of the guy who did plant the church because the church was having some difficulty. What was going on was, and this is the short version because I've done this at the beginning of every sermon and some of y'all are already falling asleep because you're like, I can't believe he's saying all this stuff again. Um, what was? But not everybody remembers. Um, if I was sitting there, I would have forgotten already. Um, <laughs> What was going on was, people were coming into this church, and they'd become prominent, and they were teaching some crazy stuff. Um, most specifically, um, it was like uh, Jewish Gnosticism, and what they were teaching, and nobody, that doesn't mean anything to anybody, but that's okay. Um, what they were teaching was, in order to become right before God, these were the things you have to do, right? Like, it was a list of steps for becoming right before God, if you... You know, if you want to be right before God, you don't eat these kinds of food. You don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do. You don't um, go to movies on Sundays. You don't, um, all of these other things. It, that really was not movies. They probably didn't mention that. Um, but but they had all of these teachings. Like if you want God to love you, if you want God to accept you, here's the stuff you have to do. And oftentimes, the church actually has bought into this idea. Not necessarily this church. I haven't been here but a couple of years, so I couldn't speak to that. But like the Church Universal, like we like to tell people, if you want God to love you, you need to do this stuff. Has anybody ever heard that? But nobody's ever heard it from me. Um, <laughs> um, and 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 what Paul says is, look, you can't get God to approve of you by working hard. Like like um, I, I compared it to a uh, hamster on a wheel, right? Anybody have hamsters? Um, Really? You have hamsters? I thought you had goats. Um, (laughs) A hamster on a wheel, it runs on the wheel all day long. Does it get anywhere running on the wheel? Nope. It just runs, and it makes no progress. It just runs, 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 runs. That's what it's like trying to get right before God with work. Like you're going to run all day long and you're never going to get there. The only way for us to be right before God is for God to open the top of the cage, reach in, take us off the wheel and let us go and let us be free, right? And, and that's where Paul ends up. He's, he doesn't talk about hamsters, I'll admit. Um, <laughs> but this is where Paul ends up. Paul starts out, he says, listen, all of this stuff that they're telling you to do cannot work. You cannot lift yourself up by your own bootstraps. If you try, you'll end up exhausted, and you'll still sin, right? Anybody here ever try to be perfect? And, and how easy is it? Except for darn near impossible, right? You just end up exhausted at the end of the day, and you end up the same person you were when you started. Um, and so, in the preceding sections, first off, Paul explains how to be right before God. We are only right before God because of Jesus. Because we have faith in Jesus. Jesus died for our sins, our permanent records get traded, so when God looks at me, he sees Jesus' permanent record, and when looked at Jesus on the cross, he saw Eric's bad stuff, and I get blessed because of him, and he gets punished because of me, right? And that's how we're right before God. We have faith, and we follow Jesus. It's not work, it's, it's, it's a gift, right? Um, and, and so in the preceding teachings, he starts there, and then he moves on, and he says, listen, in order to be like, get your behavior under control, because we all struggle with behavior, right? Has anybody ever had things that you did that were wrong that you couldn't stop doing? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and raise my hand. <laughs> really, is it just like three of us? Everybody else can go home. Um, <laughs> um, because we're going to fall into sin over and over again. And he says, listen, how you overcome it is you keep your eyes on Jesus. And you look at this perfect example, and you aim at it. And the more you aim at it, and the more you drive at that point, the more God changes your heart through the Holy Spirit, and you become like Him. And then in la- uh, last time I preached, which would have been two weeks ago, um, apparently we had a we had a very handsome preacher last week, and I was told that you know I may be fired now because of him, but we'll see. Um, he wore a suit the other day. Um, <laughs> the the. I I also heard I got picked on, so I'm going to dish it out now. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) Don't pick on the guy with the microphone. Um, (laughs) Wow. You threw me off, and now... So what Paul did was, he went through, in the last sermon, he went through and he said, listen, if you are a husband, this is how you act like a husband that's modeling their life after Jesus, right? You love your wife. You don't, like, mistreat her. You handle her the way that, like, like, God handles the church. If you're a wife, how do you respond to, like, God? How do you be a wife after God's own heart? If you're a child, how do you be a child in a family after God's own heart? And he spells it all out. And some of it's really tough. And it's mostly tough, by the way. If we're... I, well, listen to the sermon. It's um, It's online. Um, if you'd like to hear it. Um, And so now Paul is moving into the end of his teaching portion of the sermon, and we have Colossians 4.2. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. Um, Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it, with an attitude of thanksgiving. Now, um, the first 25 times I read that, I brushed over it. Because it feels like a throwaway passage, right? Like something you would just say. Um, But I'm going to jump around a little bit and read a couple things here. Uh, This is Philippians. It's the previous sermon series, Philippians 1-3. Paul, sitting in prison, writes this, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What's the similarity between the two passages? praying and saying thanks. Um, Philemon, which I'm going to have a tough time finding because it's about a half a page long. Um, hey, look at that. Um, Philemon was sent probably with this letter. He's writing, writing to a fellow um, named Philemon, funny enough. Um, I always thank God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints. Again, what are the commonalities? Pray and thanks. Um, The reason that that is, and I could go through, I could spend the whole morning just doing that, but it would be um, me doing the same thing over and over again. Paul writes about prayer and thanksgiving together over and over and over and over over again. The reason is, right, the reason is, is that um, thanksgiving and prayer, um, it lines us up and it moves us in a direction. It's a connection. Uh, my wife and I have been married for, I uh, like, 40 years, right? If it feels like it sometimes, right? How 15? 15 years. I love you. Um, <laughs> when we got married, we were in love, right? Anybody here been married longer than 15 years? Um, do you love your spouse the same today as the day you got married? No. Deeper or shallower? Deeper, right? Um, That deeper love, that deeper relationship, that deeper connection is a product of intimacy, right? It's a product of going through stuff together and having conversations and dealing with it and moving on, right? It's not just asking for stuff. If I sat around all day and I asked Jessica for things and I never had other conversations, like, honey, can you bring me a sandwich and the remote? (laughs) How intimate is our relationship going to be? (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to sleep on the couch is what's going to happen or she'll poison my sandwich. <laughs> I've had your sandwiches. Poisoning's not a... No, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love you, honey. Um, that was all playing. Uh, the, the reality is that intimacy and closeness is a direct product of... Interacting, right? Um, while I was gone, I, I sent my wife flowers, right? I sent my wife, and thank you, Carly, for delivering them. I sent my wife flowers because I love her, and I felt bad that I was out of town and left her with a baby, right? Didn't feel bad that the baby was sick and up all hours, and I wasn't there to help. But that's an aside. Um, I felt bad that I wasn't there. Um, over the years, there's stuff we've done together. When Abby was born, it was like 51, 52 hours of labor. Right. I always joke about it, but it's actually one of my favorite two to three day stretches of our marriage because we spent three days together and it was difficult, it was painful, it was hard, and and everything else, but we got a baby out of it and we spent time together doing you know, she was doing all the work, I'll admit. I'm never gonna admit it again. Um <laughs> it's recorded. Turn it off, turn it off. No. Um, <laughs> um but but it was it it drew us closer. Um, The reason that Paul, you know, like he whole list of things that you're supposed to do, and then he goes to devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert with an attitude of thanksgiving. Um, The reason he does this is, first off, devote doesn't mean do it right now in one intense movement, right? Um, It means spend your time doing it. Why do we talk to God on a regular basis? Why? Because it creates intimacy between us. Am I a better husband than the day we got married? Say it out loud. It's okay. <laughs> what? It's yes. She nodded yes. Over time, I have gotten better at being a husband. Is it because I've matured? Maybe a little bit. Part of it is because... I. Hold on. We're, getting, we're drifting here. Stick with me. A big part of it is because I learned how to be a better husband by spending time talking and being intimate with my wife. Does that make sense? Um, we have conversations. I, I love giving gifts, and that was my primary way of expressing love for years. My wife does not like getting gifts, right? It is not her primary like, love language. And so for years, I was speaking Spanish, and she was speaking French, right? I, I had to learn eventually that doing laundry... And washing dishes is the way that I make her happy, right? Over time, I figured that out. How did I figure it out? By having conversations and developing an intimate relationship. Back to the passage. Why does Paul follow up, how do you act right as a husband? How do you act right as a wife? How do you act right as, a, as an everything? Why does he follow it up with prayer? Why? Because that's how you learn to do it. You don't learn to do it by trying hard. You learn to do it by interacting with God. And not just, and I do this, I'm going to own it. Um, not just the list of things that I want, God, right? But interacting. Like um, when I was driving home from from Reno, um, the the amazing thing about this part of the country is you drive like through southern Montana and there are these big things called mountains that were covered with snow. And they're amazing. Has anybody seen them? You live right by them. I'm sure you have. Um, but, but I had to kind of stop and think, wow, God made all of this. And and he decorates it with snow just every once in a while because. And it's beautiful, and it's amazing, and it's a huge blessing. And so I I had to, and I'm not good at this, but I had to stop and say, thank you, God, for this. The things that God gives us when we interact with Him and we talk to Him about it, and when we talk to Him about our our struggles, these are the sins that I'm struggling with. This is my area of struggle. It draws us into intimacy with Him and over time can help draw us away from patterns of sin in our life. Does that make sense? And so Paul says, listen, if you're going to live this godly life, if you're going to become this godly person, this is how you do it. It's prayer and thanksgiving, constantly having the connection. Mind you, this isn't once. I've lost, I have to say this in front of people because it feels good, I've lost almost 20 pounds in the last couple of months. Um, I, I did not yet find that magic salad that was the last salad I ever had to eat and I would like wake up buff the next morning. I haven't found it yet. Instead, I had to eat salad every day for months. And it's not fun. But you know what? The process of doing it every day accumulates, accumulates and has a bigger effect. The process of intimacy with God is not an instant prospect. It is devotion to prayer, devotion to the Word, devotion to spending time with God, drawing closer in intimacy, and then becoming better at what we are doing, becoming holier, becoming more like Jesus. Um, we're going to move on here. Um, so Paul says, pray, and then he says, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the world so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. And they hit pause there. Paul is sitting in prison. I'm just going to point out the joke. I'm sorry. I, I think it's funny that it's there. Paul is sitting in prison. And he says, pray that God will open a door. <laughs> Easy to miss. I thought it was funny. Um, but, but he says, listen, pray that God will open a door, not so that we can be free, but so that we can tell people about Jesus. So that we can bring people this message that's brought us freedom. Not new rules, not new regulations, but freedom because Jesus, like, is God's son who died for you. Um, he says, listen, pray for us so that we can go out and do this. There's another little bit here part of what he's asking for is that the kingdom would be advanced. God's kingdom would be advanced in in his life and in their lives, right? When we pray, part of what we're called to pray for is God's kingdom to advance, for us to become holy and for the message to be spread. He goes on and he says, For which I have been imprisoned, I should have read that part a second ago, that I may make it clear the way I ought to speak. Um, This is an awkwardly phrased sentence. Basically what it means is, pray that I'd know how to say the right words, right? Anybody terrible at saying the right words at the right time? I'm going to go ahead and raise my hand. I open my mouth and shortly after I insert my foot, I try to read the label and hope it's the best thing I could say. I mean, I, I, but Paul says, listen, the right words are a product of God's intervention, right? It's a product of the Holy Spirit. Um, This is Paul. This is Paul, one of the most influential people in history, who preached to thousands and started the modern, you know, started the ancient church, basically. I mean, he is responsible for changing the world. And he's asking them, pray for me. Pray that I can say the right words. Pray that I would know the right things to put out of my mouth. Um, He goes on, last bit of instruction. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. There's a couple of interesting things here. First off, outsiders mean people who are not a part of the church, right? Like the body of Christ. It says, conduct yourself with wisdom. What does that mean? It means act right in front of the people around you, right? Believe it or not, people notice how Christians act, right? And sometimes they notice it when they turn on the TV, and they see Christians saying stupid stuff. And people, we do. You know, it, it is what it is. Um, they notice it when you're at work and everybody's complaining and you're the one who isn't. Um, they notice it when, um, for me, honestly, when I was 15, like I didn't grow up going to church. We, we traveled. We moved every few years because I was a military kid. I did not go to church. And I went to church on a Sunday because I was invited uh, by a neighbor to go to a picnic. And I didn't go to church. I went to the picnic. And the people I met there were the most amazing people I'd ever met in my entire life. I was only 15. I hadn't met a lot of people. But they were nicer to me. And the way they talked to me, the way they acted towards me, all I knew was whatever they had, I wanted it. Right? I didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know anything about anything. But I knew, I knew that I wanted more of that. And I kept showing up. And then I started going to church. And then I... I gave my life to the Lord, and now it's years and years later, and i 'm making you all miserable and it 's the problem of the it's the fault of the people at the picnic, but the the like the the fundamental truth here is right we pray and we learn to live godly lives, especially towards folks who aren't believers. We spread the gospel just by living right? Why does Paul say act with wisdom toward outsiders because we're supposed to right we're supposed to like Like make their lives better. He goes on, he says, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Um, So he goes from how do you act towards outsiders to how do you talk all the time, right? Now, you might read this and say, hey, we're supposed to have salty language, but that's not it. (laughs) Um, the phrase seasoned with salt actually in secular setting refers to using humor. Like, like basically it means using humor. But the way Paul uses it here, it's actually a reference to using grace. So when you talk to folks, talk to them with grace. What is grace? Grace is a gift you cannot earn and do not deserve. But you get because somebody loves you. So when you talk to folks, you're supposed to talk in a way that is a gift. That is a blessing to the folks you encounter. Not a blessing they deserve, because we all know jerks who don't deserve, right? But we love them when we speak with love because in doing so, we reflect the grace that Jesus gave us at the cross. Like, and how do we do that? Do we try really hard? No. We spend our time talking to God. And the more we do it, the better we get at it. I, I you know, like being married again, I'm going to come back to it as an example, just because it's the one I know best right now. Um, the longer I'm married, the better I get at talking to my wife. To the point that I don't even have to talk all the time anymore. I talk anyway because I can't stop. But, um, but I don't even have to talk anymore. Sometimes I just do when it's saying the right thing. Isn't it true? Um, it's taken me years to get good at that. Um, <laughs> the point being, we talk with grace all the time, and then we don't have to practice it when the time comes, Right? Um, if I talk with grace toward my family, I can talk with grace toward a non-believer. How many of y'all have trouble being nicer to your family than anyone else? Isn't it funny how it's so easy to be nice to other people, but it's so easy to be a jerk to your family? Grace all the time. We practice it, and we practice it by pointing pointing our compass at God, pointing our compass at Jesus, figuring out that's who I need to be, And talking and thanking and asking and repenting and driving toward that. And that's what makes us Christ like. Not work, not effort. Speaking the words, being in the right place, praying the prayers, and it changes our hearts. Which is funny, actually. I was going to talk about exercise as the analogy, comparing prayer to exercise, but exercise is hard, isn't it? How many of y'all love exercising? I think that's why, like, commercials, you sell the abdominizer and stuff like that. and it, it Like, it, it's the easiest way to lose weight and have a six-pack and everything else, right? In reality, it's not easy. It takes work. Um, this is the opposite. This is relationship with God that changes us. Not try real hard, not put the effort forward, not fast until you're perfect, not you know, give money every Sunday and God will bless you. Not any of that nonsense. It is relationship with God changes your heart. Not work, relationship. Intimacy with God. My challenge to you this week as we uh, finish up, um, and I, I'm going to close in prayer and then is, are we doing a last song? Where are you? No? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I have a challenge for you and I wanted to touch on one thing in the in the close of this letter. Um, and then we'll, we'll be done with Colossians. Um, my challenge for you is, um, every day, every day for the next week, I want you to wake up and I want you to spend some time talking to God. I want you to spend some time talking to God saying thank you for the stuff, good and bad, that He's put in your path. For the blessing that He's given you and your family. For the opportunities He's given you to say the right thing when everybody else is saying the wrong thing. Um, And thank Him for Jesus and and for the opportunity to be like Jesus. Um, Pray and thanks. Pray and thanks. Pray and thanks. Um, It'll change your life. We're going to close in prayer. And then again, I'm going to... One more thing out of the book. Um, Heavenly Father, I I pray that You would be with us today. Help us to um, have hearts like Yours, Lord. Help us to strive to be like You through intimacy with You. Help us to um, set aside time to, to... um, just to talk and to be close with you, Lord. Um, with as busy as life is and as hard as it is to find time to do the things we want, it's, it's sometimes the hardest thing to do just to be still and know you, Lord. But I pray that you would give us the opportunity and the heart and the eyes that would see the, the, the um, chances just to, just to be still and know you. I pray that we would be people who would speak with salt, um, with humor and with grace towards those that we encounter. Um, in Christ's name I pray, amen. Um, we're going to be doing Easter next, um, but at the end of this book, um, along the way, Paul has all of this stuff about say goodbye. Uh, Tychius uh, will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant of the Lord. I am sending him to you to express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your heart. See why that would be tough to preach about? Um, He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful, sorry, dear brother who is one of you. They will tell you everything that has happened here. Now, that Onesimus guy, the next letter we're going to do is the letter of Philemon. It's about a half a page. You could read it this afternoon. Actually, you could read it before you get to your car. Um, Philemon was the letter that was sent at the same time. And so it's important, I I think it's important to do them together. Sound good? Um, And so we're going to do Easter and then we're going to do Philemon. But Onesimus was a runaway slave who had robbed his master when he ran. Right? Paul sent him home to his owner with instructions about him being let free, about brothers in Christ, about all kinds of cool stuff that actually relates really well to the church. And so that's actually where we're going to go next. Um, I didn't want to not do any of the end of the letter. Um, Paul mentions Onesimus, and he sent another letter to Philemon covering this. But the big thing again, um, he says Onesimus is one of us. He's not less than us. He's not a crook. He's not anything. And so if you're a person who's enslaved, a person who's carried the weight of something and been owned by something, or had something really like, just kick your butt in life, sorry... um, That'll be next time, okay? Um, uh, Well, stand up and we'll do a blessing.